Hi everyone, welcome to Bate. I'm gonna wait for some people to trickle in. I'm gonna wait for uh, Nitesh to join. For those of you who are here for the first time, Bate is a, which literally translates into a conversation, is its National Institute of Design's platform, a unique platform to share and to learn. And you guys, in the meantime, in, in case you're interested in sending in any questions, you can do so in the questions bar below because we'll be we will be turning the comments off. Okay, I'm still waiting for Ritesh, I can't find him. Sorry, you guys, just one second, he's joining. Okay, I'm going to turn off the comments now. Hi. Hi, Natesh. Welcome back. <laughs> I'm so sorry for the little, little trial and error, and hopefully we're all good to go now. That's all right. It's all right. Yeah. Welcome back. And, uh, okay, do we start? Let's start. Yes, we are, yes, yes, absolutely. Before we get into the business, um, how has your quarantine been? What, what have you been doing? Well, uh, the quarantine bit has been uh, extremely introspective to begin with. I think what COVID-19 has offered all of us is a moment of pause. I don't know how many, how many of us are actually looking at it as a moment of pause because we are also very hyperactive. We're trying to look extremely productive. We are trying to do everything that we never did in our whole lives from baking exactly. to, to you know yoga. We are building new ways of engaging with our boredom. But I think I'm, I'm also trying to grapple with all of this like uh, anyone out there and try and see what can I uh, do to make this more meaningful than just uh, be filled with uh, morose, uh, helplessness, and the kind of uh, anxiety that builds into each one of us. So I think it began uh, with a lot of excitement. I, I challenged myself to sketch every day. I, I ended up doing a spine poetry every day, and I used to post it on Instagram. But then as, as and, and, and I finished GOT, I'd never seen Game of Thrones, so I used the time to just, you know, do my whole GOT run and I loved okay. it absolutely. Uh, but I think as as the, the lockdown became like the order of the day, 
one had to also figure out very uh, existential question. How do we see through the self? Yeah. How do we see through our parents who are stuck in a distant town and a city? How do we see through our students? Uh, how do we see through our loved ones? And I think uh, that all has been extremely overwhelming. So as much as one uh, has tried dealing with the lockdown in very creative ways, I think it has also been extremely uh, uh, self-involved. Uh, 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 I think all of us have also yes. uh, have been trying to ask uh, those very difficult questions, have those conversations with ourselves. So yeah, for me, it, it's a very interesting period, for the lack of a better word. It's, it's interesting because uh, this has never happened to mankind or humankind. And I think uh, how we deal with this is going to shape a lot of things that will emerge from here on. So yeah, I'm, 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 I'm here with you as much as, uh, you know, uh, I, I try and see how we all are dealing with rather than how each one of us is dealing with it in our little isolated pockets. Wow, okay. <laughs> um, so a little question about your academics. Um, you've done your bachelor's in fine arts, right? From Sir yeah. JJ College of Art. What was the transition like from a, an art student to a design student? Because a lot of people confuse art and design to be the same thing. Yeah. What, is, what is your take on that? Yeah, so Vashini, I studied fine arts uh, in JJ from 92 to 97. And that was a very different India. That was a very different world. Uh, I primarily chose to do fine arts because I was, I sucked at maths, science. And, and, I, and, and, and I had a good uh, dad who realized that he's going to be pathetic if he chooses arts, science or commerce. So he, he paved the path. He gave me the confidence to go out and do what I loved doing, which was uh, drawing, sketching, and doodling, and all that. Uh, so I think at that point of time, the art scene was also very limited. There was Baroda School of Art, there was JU School of Fine Arts, and there were just a handful of art schools here and there. There was Shantini Ketan, of course. But I think we were in Bombay, so JJ became the first choice. Um, and, uh, and, you know, as much as you guys are also confused, what do we do with design? What do we do with our creative yes. aspects and attributes? Uh, the same yes. was out then. You, you never, you, you had a sense of the world, but the world was as little as, you know, you had the exposure to, I think. Mm -hmm. um, so um, one didn't join fine arts to become an artist. I don't think I was that evolved or came from a, family which could support that kind of inclination okay. so so i did fine arts and uh, and that that point of time uh, we, were, we were around liberalization and you know the world was opening up to india india was opening up to the world so my dad uh, said that uh, and, and, you know, okay. so, so, and I think that, that idea still exists in a very strange, interesting way. You know, we're not that bad. So five years of JJ just went by looking at uh, various um, uh, artist exhibitions at Sir JJ School of Art, spending time at the footpath of Flora Fountain and looking at all the secondhand books of artists and you know, graphic designers. So I guess one had to do a lot of self-study because we didn't have Instagram, we didn't have Pinterest, we didn't have anything that you guys have as part of that. Yeah, so one just made their way through. It was like Jugaad. It was hustling to be very honest. And 
and and you finish uh, fine arts five years because this was after ten. It was not even after twelve. Oh, five wow. years of yeah, yeah, yeah. Things have changed, like I told you. Yes. So that's, we had to redo very. Beautiful. You you didn't have to do eleventh and twelfth. Wow. No, I didn't. I didn't. We yeah. had foundation. We had foundation, which was equivalent to eleven, twelve. But what I'm trying to say is. I don't know if it was beautiful or not. I still wanted to go to a regular college and not be an art college in my 11, 12 also. So it's okay, always okay, a double yeah. score, right? <laughs> so, so five years just went by and those five years were very turbulent because I think the Babri Masjid riots happened, the Bombay uh, aftermath, the reaction, reaction to Babri Masjid. So half of the time the college, the campus was shut because something or the other was happening in yeah, the world with, with, yeah so we just had to make our way through those five years and once jd was over you looked at the world with a big bigger question mark than you carried when you entered that campus and you wondered yeah. now what do we do and <laughs> luckily, and luckily there were two doors that were still open for people like us who were not very sure of jumping into a job scene immediately after bfa and, and and also BFA that was just more like a degree and not so much of a awareness to the world view that you wanted to kind of encompass. Okay. So I, I sat in the entrance for both NIFT and NID and I think I made a right choice. I got through both of them but finally it was NID and that's where the world opened to me and that's where a new wow. chapter began. Yeah, okay. yeah. What was your life in NID like? Because this is this is what twenty years ago. <laughs> I could write a book. In fact, I am writing a book. It's not a book. It's just it's, someday perhaps it'll come out as a memoir. But uh, it's 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 a it's a long answer. Life in NID. Yes, you know, I was trying to remember everything since morning because I knew you would ask me this question. <laughs> so uh, and and I'm not getting any younger, so my my memory is not very agile. So I I was really trying to hold on to all those things that happened to me when I was in a, in NID, and I think those were the best years of my life because I think what happened exactly is. Uh, I don't know how many Bengalis are out there, and there's a there's a term called kup munduk in Bengali, which is a frog in the well. Uh, so I was a frog in the well in JJ, and and it just that happened that someone threw that frog outside the well, and I happened to land in NID, and suddenly the world was dazzling with ideas and inspirations, with weird kind of people, with languages that not heard ever before. So as much as it is a culture shock uh, for Fachus when they enter in ID now, it yeah. was a culture shock for me also, a little uh, boy from Raukela who happened to uh, live in Bombay for a while. So, but it was a beautiful culture shock. It was a culture shock that I desperately needed because I needed to understand what diversity means. Because I don't think we can learn anything, forget design or forget arts without the understanding of diversity. So what happened in NID was you were exposed to so many different kinds of people, their dialects, their mannerisms, their habits, their culture, uh, the colors that they carried from the little home hometowns from the remote corners of India. And that was fascinating and, and the, the atmosphere was electric and we had... Uh, seniors like Prash moving around in the campus 
and and who used to just inspire us just with a little line that would, they would draw on their journals and and i think and i think we all had those uh, you know our our fans we used to look up to our seniors and we had a very beautiful atmosphere because i think those days the aps and the pps which were the undergrads and the postgrads would stay inside the campus so i think a whole lot of my shaping and learning uh, in an idea has happened outside the classroom although i have a lot of regard and respect for all that i've learned from my faculty like eril and aditi um, and vandrabai but i think so much of learning has happened at the chai gate so much of learning happened at the basketball court when yeah. you just think and do those adders with the seniors so <laughs> i think you are you know eclectic and and i and i and i didn't have to try very hard to remember everything that uh, you know i was trying to gather since morning yeah okay wow okay uh so um what what is your favorite medium of working as in uh, do you do you prefer photography over illustration or painting or yeah or textile or what is it yeah. what is your go to or is it a bit of all of them yeah so i i i wanted to join visual communication in nid after doing uh, my bfa in jj but i was not allowed to do it because uh, everyone at the panel in my interview felt i was more inclined i mean i i was suited more to textiles because i had done my bfa in textiles and not in painting Okay. and um, and that was a heartbreaking moment because i loved uh, typography i loved graphic design and i wanted to uh, add on that as my post graduate education okay so there was always this uh, so I, I i there was always this rebel inside me so i if you if you talk to anyone around that time in my batch or whoever kind of was hanging around in campus they knew that mohanty was uh, the the one who went against the grain he he rebelled yeah. he rebelled with the pool and patties and created uh, uh, he created uh, he uh, so i remember doing this print design project where my inspiration was the the posters the torn posters on the walls of amdabad so it was eril who eril handed over this idea to me he said that you you will not be able to do a regular hibiscus print please go and explore the town so i went around with the camera and i think it was jadli bhai at that point of time from the photography department who handed over the fm10 to me and i went around shooting these stone posters and the gujarati typeface which was you know ripped apart and i created a beautiful collage and and that became my print design project and i still love that project so much because it was from my heart and it was so no one could um look at that work and say hey is this textiles is this graphics is this art is this yeah. uh, communication so so yeah so i i uh, so there was this urge to break away and not let your work be too defined by the medium because once you do that you are walking a very narrow path and so i think uh, that that idea has still stayed with me so if if later on i moved on to design book covers for penguin i wouldn't limit so when the brief would come to me i would just try everything i would try a photographic option i would do watercolors then i would do a collage and i think coming from fine art background gave me all those uh, options also 
because you were exposed to movements like dadaism and where you understood that the perhaps if you had to communicate to collages uh, you had to do collages there was no other thing for you to you know speak through so i think that way um, i have been very hands on in terms of uh, trying different mediums when when it comes to starting a project or doing uh, uh, doing uh, or, or converting an idea but if you personally ask me if two things um, uh, have kept me alive over the last 5 years there have been uh, at a personal level and it has been definitely photography and writing and i think both the mediums have been extremely uh, cathartic for me uh, when i have used them they have allowed me to express in ways um, uh, that i wouldn't have been able to do otherwise so i remember when i was going through an extremely tough period of time in my life uh, another junior friend of mine uh, navleen uh, kohli uh, she would check on me and she would ask me hey monty are you sketching so i would just tell her i don't have that kind of uh, liberty to sketch but i'm sketching with my camera so i would just use a photographic moment as yeah. a sketch yeah mm-hmm. yeah wow okay um I I've, I've gone through your Instagram feed and and there's beautiful photographs and what you've written just blew my mind. And and that kind of pushed me to understand what your Instagram handle means. Wait, no what 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 does it mean? I I've been curious. Yeah, I mean I don't know. So if I have to define what my Instagram handle means now I'll have to sound in a certain way that it 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 convinces you or convinces me but i think uh, it's a, the my instagram page is nothing but my visual diary um so uh, while the idea is to create something for your own like hold a moment and put a few words around it for your own uh, i would also use it as a way to put uh, a part of my heart out there so people could uh, read reflect resonate question and have those similar conversations with them because i think uh the idea of art the idea of design is to be able to convey something to communicate something to express something to evoke something and um, although a lot of those expressions can be extremely private and intimate what you're doing by putting it out there in the world is you're allowing someone else to say hey i'm not alone in this feeling and and i think a lot of people have uh, very generously written to me nitesh you know you made that post and you wrote that thing and i was just grappling to express myself because i was feeling exactly the same things and now you just spoke my heart and that feeling is extremely uh, precious because you don't do it with that intent now you don't put your your thoughts and ideas uh, with the with the with the objective to touch someone but if it happens to touch someone is beautiful if it happens to make someone feel about a certain dormant feeling that they were not trying to you know uh, negotiate with i think it's a very beautiful thing and that's what movies do that's what poetry does that's what art does when 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 it kind of reminds you of a certain feeling that you've not been able to kind of make sense of and and then it allows you to make peace with that feeling yeah so for me i think that 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 way of communicating to the world out there to thousands of people who i don't know who don't know me but are are medium of holding and touching each other and and letting each other know the hey we are there is an image uh is a set of words that 
you know, we 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 put forth out there. So that's that's my Instagram feed, I guess. And and I think uh, I'm not uh, solitary in this pursuit. I think today, if you go out, not even today, if you if you go uh, way back and even look at why uh, people made art, why did Van Gogh create Starry Nights or Frida made all those self portraits? They were only trying to exist through that expression, and in doing so, they allowed other people to exist within their worlds. Yeah, and similarly in photography, there is Nan Golden, uh, who wants to, who's to constantly. Now Nan Golden has said this very beautiful quote that I photograph people hoping that um, I wanted to kind of hold them very close to me, uh, but when I look back, I've seen how many people I've lost because you know not everyone you photograph stays with you forever in that immortal sense. So yeah, Nan Golden has been an extremely huge influence in 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 my ability to be a visual diarist through photographs and writings yeah also uh, on the questions part it's, it's exploding with questions okay a lot of people want to know about your book nowhere now here could you tell us a little about it and what your process was like yes uh, so i don't know how many of you know i was a full time caregiver to my wife who was battling cancer over the last 12 years she passed away a couple of years ago um so so it's tough right like you set out your journey to be an artist to be a designer you want to you want to do something extremely meaningful and then life plays this extremely cruel joke on you and then you're homebound and then uh, everything that you do um within the confines of your home also feeds into your existence so um for the lack of anything else now i could have sketched the uh, i could have painted her but we didn't have time and and people who are out there who have taken care of patients who are terminal time becomes an extremely important factor because you know it's fleeting it's slipping away from your grip every moment and um in the process to just understand what am i going to uh, live with once i lose her because you know the end is inevitable it's not just there yet so you are you're constantly grappling or you're aware of the fact that someday you will not have your partner with you and all that you will be left with is memories so how do we hold on to memories how do we hold on to moments and begin make the memories so that uh, they can be of certain solace so that they can offer us a way to live and begin again so uh, i'm 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 sounding very articulate right now but at that point of time i was just holding moments i was just holding everything banal and everything beautiful everything that made me feel that uh, this is special and i need to hold it as precisely as enduringly as i can and i think nowhere uh, is a series of holdings a series of um futile holdings which have now become a book at that point of time uh, i had no idea that that this will turn out to be a book uh, this was just a very human way of being able to grapple with something that is much bigger than you this which is larger than life i think mm. we have very few ways of negotiating death we've never been spoken about death as we grow up to how do we deal with it when it comes knocking at our door and so um so you don't have friends you don't have families you don't have people to uh you know pour your heart out so you pour your heart out into images into writings and they become your friends they become your life or they become a way to navigate through uh, uh something that is filled with despair and uncertainty 
so i was just writing and photographing and what happened uh, some somewhere uh, three years back when dia was still around uh, i was invited to showcase the work uh, uh, to this friend of mine called atul loke who's a photojournalist and he works for reuters so atul and his wife who was my uh, or our classmate uh, in jj they invited us and i did a small preview of my photographs and dia was also present that evening and it was uh, embraced very beautifully a lot of people were moved they were reminded of their loss their journeys and their dear ones and and it was filled with uh, a very strange uh, feeling of resonance and warmth and and a lot of people came and told me this should be a book uh, this can't be a slide show this can't this needs to be held in a very different way and uh, so so i i just passed that thought because it wasn't the right time for me to start building that book i think once uh, uh, after after i after i lost the in october i wanted to just do this for her because she knew that i was making those images and i think this is a dedication to her and this is and and sometimes you know i, I had this this very funny habit so whenever whenever i would pick up a book a novel or a fiction or a photo book i would read the dedication and the acknowledgments and i think these two things tell a lot about a writer because the dedication is what makes you understand of who this book is for because i think you put in a lot in when we are creating our our books and are putting our stories together and an acknowledgement section just tells who are the people who are there for the person when the book was being made unfortunately nowhere doesn't have an acknowledgement section because i i just wanted to keep it very uh, simple and clear and not cluttered with too many words but people who are out there they know exactly what uh, role that they have played in that book so it's just a, it's just a holding of lot of moments that i couldn't make sense of at that point of time and now it has become a story to talk about yeah I I I'd like to read the book. Yes, I'm waiting. Yes, there's very little to read though. So uh, I know a lot of people have told me we I want to I want to read nowhere. It's a photo book. There's just one poem uh, that I have uh, interspersed the book with, and um, so I'm 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 hoping that I'll put together another book which will be a book of my writings. But right now nowhere is a photo book, and if you if you have. the interest of the inclination to read into images there is a lot to read into otherwise in terms of reading reading there's just one poem in it yeah okay and um you're an illustrator that you also work as a, as a book cover designer do you have like a certain style uh, of how you you make your drawings look or are you very experimental and you know they they never look the same two two illustrations never look the same yeah or do you have like uh, the same style throughout no <clears throat> i don't have a style versioni and i think that was uh, conscious and also uh, uh, my inability to develop a style because i study textiles if i would have done say um, animation i would have had a style because you know if you go to a certain discipline and you go through a certain um way of learning skills that help you develop a style but when i was in nid i used to just observe um my friends out there from animation from graphic design 
who were building a certain style of their own through their work. And I always felt, when will I have a style of my own? But eventually, when I started doing the book covers, I felt that not having a style was very liberating because it allowed me to throw myself sometimes by creating uh, covers which were extremely typographic in nature, whereas some were a lot of mixed media. So I would try acrylics and watercolor and dry pastels to give that very multimedia feel or some would be just photographic in nature so i would go and and shoot or look through uh, a set of stock images and find just the right kind of image that evokes the the mood of the book so i uh, for, for reasons good and bad luckily or unluckily i don't have a style but yet people who see my work say hey monty ye tera to style hai ekdam so i don't know what they really into it um, but i feel i'll tell you if i can tell you one thing that kind of seeps into uh, as a style or remotely close to a style is a textural quality to my work my work has to be extremely textured and i think this idea of textured work comes from my uh, textiles Yeah, learning in NID, and while I was there, I was I was blown off. And I think I still remember Aditi's fabric construction and the numerous amounts of textures we created just through embroidery techniques and through different kind of patchwork and quilts. And I think that has stayed with me. And now when I do a book cover, I know how how um, plastic it could be or how static it could be. but so i i guess there is an urge to make it textural so it, as if it has layers as if if you if you create a, a, a certain relief to each of the textures people could would feel the emotions with every brush stroke or every little dust grain which is there on the cover and i think that that is something that uh um, you know we must try and do the certain mediums can be extremely limited for how they offered themselves to be but at the end of the day what you make with that medium is how it kind of evolves and how it kind of becomes more than what it is so so there has been a constant uh, pursuit in making covers which are made of different textures so i i i experiment a lot i from sawdust to fericol to you know sand to i i try and do a lot of things and i think again the credit goes back to my five years of jj where we were allowed to do all yeah, kinds of that. crazy yeah, things yeah yeah. yeah 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 i'm i'm going to get you some questions from the questions bar sure um, how have you achieved this outlook for life which seems to go beyond your profession wow i think uh, this is something that i tell my students uh, while i chair this crafting creative communication program in mica and and also i've been going to uh, tiss where i uh, engage with the students of uh, media and cultural studies also in ftii i think my ability to move outside of my confines and domains uh has allowed me to gather experiences from different realms of life like if you go to ftii it's a different culture altogether as compared to tiss which is which is a very different crowd and when you come to nid it is extremely different when you come to mica it is a it's a creative mind with a b school at the back of it so i think these are all different landscapes and when you traverse through these very diverse landscapes you also are talking to people who are not very similar in nature and in the conversations yes. and what i tell them is um life is here and for now and perhaps you'll never come back in the same capacity so 
you can live by doing one thing all your life or you can embrace all the richness and all the uh, dynamism that is there for you to absorb and so that's why i've thrown myself out to theater to cinema to poetry to literature to painting to sculpture to 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 conceptual art to graphic design to photography and i think i think it is just the hunger to um, you know to to rejoice everything that is out there and also see the interconnectedness like the course that i do which is called ways of seeing is about the interconnectedness between diverse things for example there's a beautiful american photographer called Saul Leiter who i love and adore and he he was at the cusp of um the time when color photography was introduced to the world so Saul Leiter's works burst with color it's almost like and Saul wanted to become an abstract expressionist and he couldn't paint so he picked up the camera so he Photograph the streets of New York in its vivid color. It's almost like collages, okay? And then you see that very beautifully captured in this film called Carol. I don't know how many of you have seen Carol. Uh, the cinematographer of Carol has picked up that very, uh, that very beautiful quality from Saul into the, the, the visual texture of that film. Now, and, and, and I wonder if, if we wouldn't be able to borrow and and, and immerse in different worlds, how, how does our vocabulary, visual vocabulary broaden? You know, I think, I think there is also that ability to say, hey, nothing exists in isolation. If there is a poem, and if there had to be a photograph talking to that poem, what would that image be? I think these are the questions that uh, creative people need to be asking rather than being limited to their own domains and their disciplines. Otherwise, that journey can be very, um very linear and and we are not here to live linear journeys our journey should be filled with multitudes and disruptions and 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 and, and interventions which are expected and unexpected so yeah that's my that's my pursuit i think to to throw yourself into as many diverse uh, areas that you can and then see does this have anything to do with what i am doing like i love cooking and I can't help but see the similarities between art and cooking because in art you're seeking for harmony, balance, uh, color, and composition and texture. And when you serve up, yeah, and when you serve up food, you need to have all of that. So, and I think uh, I'm as fascinated. So, I think uh, one of the greatest lessons in design can come from looking at chefs and how chefs work with material. With, with with medium and and I think that way graphic designers would be able to far, be able to be far more liberated in their pursuits rather than just looking at other great graphic designers uh, to borrow from yeah so that's my long question to a short a long answer to a short question okay but yeah I hope your question is answered go to the next question okay. What is your most memorable ragging story? Yeah, I knew that would come. <laughs> yes, um, I loved the ragging now, which is called social interaction, I think. Um, yeah, yeah. So I, I love those uh, 15 days. I think we used to have 15 days of ragging. You know, what it, what it allowed me is to not just uh, be amazed by human emotions and how they are thrown <laughs> at each other but also the ability to cope with certain challenges because, you know, I think a, there is a lot of conversation around should ragging be banned, should people stop 
you know, interacting with this kind of an intimidation. I think what ragging does at the end of the day, it prepares you for greater shocks ahead in life because we, we, we are we are never prepared for the worst, right? We are never prepared for abuses. We are never prepared for rejections. We are prepared for, oh, life is going to be all good. So you'll go there and do your bit and it's going to be a jolly good ride. But no, I think what dragging does it, it challenges you to accept that you could be vulnerable and you could break down and you could allow yourself the resilience to still cope and still build yourself back. And, and those people who are text, testing your patience and your thresholds eventually become your best friends. Best friends yes. Yeah, and my, my favorite dragging moment, of course, has to be uh, the baptism. I don't know if the baptism culture still exists in NID. So what used to happen on the last day of ragging, we were all, I don't know if this is allowed to say, we would all be asked to kind of come and um, lie down on the ground uh, from one of those hostels which had this little space in between and the seniors would pour water from us from top and we were baptized we were we were part of the community then so that okay. was the, the tipping <laughs> point the, the the last day of ragging where the thresholds would reach like it's crescendo and then we were baptized <laughs> i think that's okay. fine so we, 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 we cried out of joy that finally this is over first we didn't know what was happening but finally yeah. It was all worth it, I think, yeah. I, th I think that still exists, but it goes with a different name. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Um, any advice for a 17-year-old artist as an artist? Oh my God. <laughs> uh, I think you must read letters to a young poet by Renya Mare Rilke. That's a beautiful book. I am nobody to give anyone any advice, but I think that book by Rilke uh, is a profound answering to the same question of what awaits me. Why should I write? Why should I be a poet? And I think poets and artists are very similar people. They're dealing with emotions. They're dealing with the perplexities of life. And uh, Letters to a Young Poet is a beautiful book that everyone should read. It, uh, it, it, it's something that I still fall back on in my 40s. So I don't know if I'm still a young poet or a young artist, but it's, it's, a, it's a guiding light to life. It tells us about how do we deal with failures and adversities? How do we deal with um, you know, our, in, uh, our quest for answers uh, while we are grappling with nothing but questions? And, and I think it is very, it, it's, a, it's a very philosophical, but a very simple uh, uh, interaction between uh, someone who's seen a little, little bit of more life than someone who's uh, someone who's perhaps preparing to take, undertake that journey. So I think uh, that is one book that might have all the answers. And um, yeah, from my uh, personal friend, if I have to give an advice, I would just say live life uh, like there's no tomorrow. I think we human beings place a lot of onus on tomorrow and especially even now what COVID is trying to tell us that you know, you, you might not have a tomorrow as you had imagined it to be. So what do you do then? So you don't want to live with regrets. You don't want to live with half dreams. So, so, so go out and live life in spite of all the limitations uh, and, and in spite of being holed up inside your homes and your houses, nothing stops you from creating art. Nothing stops you from putting, you know, thought into design and design into the world. So I think go out and just live every moment as if there is no tomorrow. Yeah. Okay. 
what is a short film to you and what makes a short film better than other film media yeah so for me i think the short film is one of the most challenging forms of filmmaking i think um i have a lot of admiration for people who work on uh, on that format rather than feature film it's like it's like if i have to ask you to tell me what you feel in three words rather than 30 words or rather than 300 words mm. and i think the challenge is that how you have to go out and tell what exactly you're feeling with very little time with very little resources and 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 then say it in a way that uh, it it becomes convinced uh, mm. filled with conviction conviction and i think it's uh, i i recently saw the short film called the song we sang and uh, it's a yeah the song we sang and it's shot in amdabad and it's a beautiful story about two people um coming in terms with their feelings for each other and uh, i think it's uh, directed by uh, neha arti and uh, you must see that film to uh, understand what i'm trying to say in i think in 15 minutes or so the film touches upon so many aspects of life and uh, and it was extremely relatable uh, they brought in mythology there was a little bit of philosophy greek philosophy there was humor there was uh, reality there was heartbreak and there was everything in that 15 minutes and everything felt so real and i think uh, i think people who 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 go out and create uh, brilliant short films um, i think making a feature length film is a cakewalk because then what you're doing is you're testing uh, brevity you're testing uh, how how you can say more with less and i think that's been a challenge for all people who are in the world of communication today our our, our attention span has been shrinking um, with every passing day so how do you challenge yourself to go out and say everything that you're feeling in just those 3 minutes or 15 minutes is is extreme and i think it's it's extremely admirable the format and if you can crack it i think you will have a great time building upon it and making a feature and i think all filmmakers if you if you look at some of the greatest filmmakers out there they all started making short films abbas kiarastami and martin scorsese they were all just experimenting with that little format before they felt more confident about going out there and making the big ones yeah Favorite, who is your favorite photographer and what is your favorite film who's your favorite painter and who's your favorite filmmaker and why i think this person is uh, asking this question should go back and within my instagram highlight there is there are couple of ask me anything which i have still saved where i have answered this question like a numerous amount of time but i think i wouldn't want to disappoint that the person who's asking the question i'll still go ahead and answer i think your favorite photographers keeps changing because you are never the same photographer you are never the same artist or the designer and as you grow um, your reasoning your choices also are constantly being questioned but there are some who remain like classics some who are timeless they are always there and i did point out Saul Linter who's been this very strong influence in my life but i think if i have to talk about a photographer who's influenced me um very deeply and in an intimate way is someone who's close to home 
and that's Saurabh Hura. And Saurabh Hura is one of our photographers who's now representing India in Magnum. And that's quite a big thing for us. Uh, and uh, Saurabhura's first body of work, Life is Elsewhere, uh, has been extremely close to my heart. It's a story, uh, it's a photo book that he's done uh, trying to put forth his emotions around a period of time in his life where uh, he was understanding his mother's uh, mental illness and his relationship with the dog, Ilsa. And uh, it's a beautiful uh, photo documentation. Um, and I think uh, it, it has been ingrained in my consciousness and it, it evokes of certain things that I can't put down in words. So I love Saurabh Hura's work and, and how it has that ability to speak to me. And I'm sure anyone who's seen Lighters Elsewhere would feel that very strongly. And apart from that, there also been one photographer who's, who's like a like a god, like a friend, like a ghost carrying uh, me around everywhere is Prabhudo Das Gupta. And Prabhudo's photography has been uh, a boon to a whole lot of young photographers in this country because we didn't have a way to express our intimate feelings out there through, through mm -hmm. photography. We only did it through art, through paintings. And I think what Prabhudo did is he liberated us by making his work out there in open and, and he didn't create any layers between the kind of life he lived and the kind of stories he wanted to tell through that medium. And I would, and unfortunately, we don't have Prabhudo with us, but I think he is there with, with us, within us, and guiding us through our journeys and how he's shaping uh, the, the voices that are emerging from India where photo, personal photo narratives are concerned. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Favorite film? I don't know. My favorite. I, I keep uh, I, my film uh, world is ever evolving and ever um, uh, in a state of fleeting flux. But I think one film that I keep going back to is English Patient um, because I think I saw this film in NID during our Laseric Film Club, which was not the the, the film club, the, not the film, but we students used to put together. I don't know if that that still happens. But we would screen films in the mess. We would buy those, not hire. We would rent those laser discs, and we would drive down all the way to satellite and carry those discs and put the projector inside the mess and have full night screenings. And um, so, and that's something uh, as a memory because we used to design tickets, we used to design posters, we used to put up installations. I remember premiering Jurassic Park and we had a life-size dinosaur made by the product design studio students. And uh, so, yeah, those were phenomenal times to be exposed to cinema and that film, English Patient, has stayed with me for, for being one of those epic love stories. And if someone has not seen that film, please see it. If someone's not read that book, it's a beautiful book by Michael Ondici, which was later on uh, made into a film by Anthony Minghella. So I would urge everyone to read the book and watch the film to know why it is Mimoskira's favorite film and book. Okay. Yeah. How much has regional cinema contributed to your way of uh, understanding creativity? A huge, huge way. I feel that, um, so I don't know how many of you are aware, I used to run this uh, 
film um, platform called the Roots Reel in Bombay. Yeah, so Root Reel was primarily, so uh, the inspiration of Root Reel came from Anand Patwadran, the documentary filmmaker. I used to help Anand when he used to screen his films at Vikalp at Prithvi. I would design the posters for all the documentary films that he would screen. And I think those conversations with Anand and, and the group of filmmakers just changed my life because it brought um, me to an understanding of how important documentary cinema and regional cinema is. And uh, so when I started Root Reel, one of the uh, objectives behind Root Reel, Root Reel was to bring films that are not easily accessible. Now it's great. We have all these ODT platforms and you have the best of Malayalam cinema. Now Muthon has come on boot, I think, or C5. I think everyone should watch Muthon by Gitu Mohandas. Um, so, but these were very different days. So I, I remember reaching out to obscure filmmakers who, are, who don't want to be, you know, heard or spoken or, or, or being contacted and writing, sir, I loved your film, which I might have seen it in a film festival or seen the trailer and I would be completely enamored. So I run this little outfit. I don't have any money to pay, but can you please show your films, share your films so that we can show it to our little audience in Bombay. And everyone supported it. And I think regional cinema defines who we are like nothing else. We, we will have the, you know, the, the, the new wave or the new, new wave. We will have the Ritesh Patras and the Vikram Aditya Motwanis and Anurag Kashyaps. And I think they're doing a fabulous job in defining what Indian cinema is all about. But if, if you, if you um, disregard the kind of cinema that is made, uh, especially in Kerala, I think a whole chapter of Indian cinema will remain invalid. I think they are at the forefront of building new narratives, creating fearless uh, ways of telling stories. Mm. I have immense respect for uh, Gita Mohandas, uh, for Rajiv Ravi from, and I, I am recently, I, I, I saw uh, Jalikatu and I love Jalikatu. And, and yeah. I think, uh, and I think what's happening is it just kind of is making us aware of how rich our storytelling abilities can be because sometimes Bollywood can become extremely linear because of the burden of the commercial success it carries. But somehow the cinema from the South has been able to kind of negotiate it with in, in, in far more, um, you know, sense of, uh, I know they've been very ballsy in how they've been able to kind of merge the art with the commercial. And I think it also has to do a lot with the discerning audience that we have down South rather than a very uh, audience with very limited uh, lens, which 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 is perhaps uh, something that has emerged thanks to the films kind of films that Yash Raj and Karan Jor have kind of doctrined us with. So I think regional cinema is very essential. I remember when I was doing Root Reel, I had screened Janu Barua's film. Janu Barua is an exemplary filmmaker from Assam. Not many people know of him. Perhaps a lot of people in Europe know of Janu, but very, very few people in India know of this very quiet filmmaker from Assam who's been making social films around the landscape that he belongs to. And, and I think uh, regional cinema also becomes a lens of understanding who we are as a country. And um, so I also had screened uh, this film called Anni Gode De Daan by uh, Gurvinder Singh. It's a film set in Punjab. And I think uh, why these films are uh, important because if I have to understand uh, a period of time in Punjab, my, my, my reach is very limited through literature, through fiction, through nonfiction. 
what cinema does is brings that closer because our understanding our understanding of that visual media is so much more powerful someone might be averse to reading uh, because punjabi literature then had to be perhaps translated in english but now when you watching cinema it it is it, it is free of all those limitations and layers so i think i i think we must do much much more than what we are being able to do with visual cinema at this point of time So now that you've told us a little about the root meal, can you tell us a little about the root and what inspired you to start it and what it's all about? Yeah, I think uh, I I remember very vividly. I think the idea of root came about uh, when the Taj Hotel in Bombay was attacked, and and we were sitting looking at uh, television screens and seeing the horror unfold and. and that made me and dia like dia uh, studied fine arts with me in jj and we we both were of of similar sensibilities and we were questioning like if there is a thing called corporate social responsibility can there be a thing called creative social responsibility can we as artists and people who work with the creative medium can quite tell things about the world that affects us so the root became like a concerned canvas it was like a a, a way to uh talk and engage and interact about things that affected all of us say it be socio political issues or environmental concerns or cultural ideas that needed some kind of a propagation so we thought we'll create this this line of merchandise through which we will um say things that we that affect us and in doing so we will make it a way of talking about stuff that we don't like to talk about so we made uh so we made these graphic t-shirts around um the 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 tigers of india who were who, who whose numbers of declining very rapidly so how do we make them you know like cool um icons rather than uh, a stuff that activists have to fight to greenpeace um so we spoke about the hiroshima nagasaki bombing through through lyrics inspired by bob dylan and so we did a whole lot of that stuff on t-shirts on little notebooks on posters so um like all dreams uh root live its time and its moment because we realize that we are uh we are um great or cool creators were very bad sellers we didn't have the business sense to sustain that idea but i think we did uh, we did a lot of interesting things along with that the idea was not to make money per se the idea was to create this set of merchandise which you would have fun creating but they all, would also become extremely thought provoking and while doing so Open we could have dialogue exactly and and doing so build branches like root reel we would do root heritage walks we would do root book reading sessions so they were all interconnected and and uh, for for as as long as it lasted it was a dream and and we lived that dream very beautifully mm. yeah one last question what are your thoughts on design education in europe america and india do you think there's yeah. a difference of course there is a difference because like everything else there is a difference of mindset there is a difference of culture i think we still haven't been able to truly embrace and accept 
the role that design plays in our life in India. I think it is still, that's why you still have a lot of people joining design schools after completing that engineering because they don't see value in it from the word go. Because I think our education system doesn't acknowledge design as a very pivotal aspect of our value That's system. That's a very serious, you know, career point. Exactly. It's, a, it's an add-on. Yes, yes. And I think before also being positioned as a serious career uh, point, uh, design is a value system. I think today uh, when, when we look at how our moms manage uh, our homes, it's it's design thinking to a very large extent. They are they are understanding who the end users are going to be. They are understanding supply chain. They are understanding what it what it takes to run a house. And I think if we if we break our design from this pedestal that it's almost always put on and look at it as a set of value system that needs to be kind of uh, made a part of our discourse then we are changing the conversations around the uh, design education. So currently, uh, me and another Indian friend, Ayaz, Ayaz Basrai, we both are questioning about the future of education. And, and, and largely, we are then liberating even design from it. We are looking at the future of education in, in, in India and how uh, the structure fundamentally has been very hierarch hierarchical in nature. And Ayaz has come up with a very interesting way of looking and studying and analyzing a rhizomatic way of looking at design or education. So I think we did this very interesting exercise from CCC MICA also. We reached out to 25 individuals from diverse fields, from educators to designers to writers to filmmakers. And we asked them one question, um, what does the future look like according to you? And what value systems do we need to imbibe in young students? And so what uh, domains they should learn from to imbibe those value systems? And I think I'm very keen in developing this research, this question that we are, we are trying to put forth because as much as we are trying to grapple with how now design or education looks like through the little boxes of Zoom calls that we are doing, uh, we are uh, tackling something that the future might uh, pose in terms of a challenge. So I think um, when you look at America and Europe, uh, they are far ahead culturally or their understanding or their ability to imbibe design within their everyday practice. While we are still grappling to do that, while we have a lot of uh, problems of caste, of uh, of religion that is still is dwarfing our understanding of what this country is, forget what this country's design uh, ideology should look like. So I think our, our, our problems so far are fundamental and rudimentary. But, but, but that should not stop us from making those inquiries and seeing in spite of uh, the challenges that we face as such a diverse country and through all the sociopolitical upheavals that we go through, how we can make these uh, inquiries very pertinent to our times. I hope your question is answered. We we just have a minute left, so I'm going to take this time to thank you for coming here today and having this wonderful conversation with us. And yes, I, I will get back to you when I get that book in my hands. <laughs> yes, absolutely. This was a pleasure, Varshini. Thank you, Bhatian team. I remember a couple of years ago when I was there in NID to take a, a, a session um, someone had reached out to me and said, hey, we, 
we do these party sessions and it'll be great for you to join us for some reason it didn't happen then but thank you so much for giving me this opportunity to talk about my alma mater to talk about an id that has shaped me in ways that i can't even you know thank uh, the institute and and everyone who was part of me everyone who i learned from at that point of time so thank you thank you so much Also, also let's let's make that in-campus session work this time. Yes, when, let's when, when we're all back. Yeah, keeping fingers crossed. Yeah, thank you so much. Yeah. Bye bye. Bye bye. Bye bye. Bye bye. Thank you.